0: admonished in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit of God, and the evidence of this fullness is that we are joyful, thankful, and submissive to God. In Colossians 3.16-25, we are instructed to be filled with the Word of God, and when we are, we will be joyful, thankful, and submissive to God. These three characteristics of the believer, controlled by God's Spirit and God's Word, go together and are presented in Psalm 100. The superscription of Psalm 100 says that it is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's the only psalm in this collection to bear that title. And so we're going to focus not on the joyfulness and the submission so much, as we are going to focus in on thanksgiving. Psalm 100 a psalm of thanksgiving. Now there are five parts to thanksgiving, as we see in this psalm. First of all, in verse 1, there's adoration. For, secondly, in verse 2, there's an approach. Three, thanksgiving involves an acknowledgement in verse 3. Four, there's access in thanksgiving, verse 4. And finally, in verse 5, we have affirmation. So we have five parts of thanksgiving as Delineated here in Psalm 100. Verse 1 begins, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Here we have adoration. So when we talk about thanksgiving, thanksgiving involves adoration. We're summoned into God's presence. And the expression shout joyfully, literally a shout of triumph or a battle cry. Since God is great and greatly to be praised, according to Psalm 96 verse 4, we are called, then, to be boisterous in our expression as we approach his throne of praise. Thanksgiving isn't just, oh yeah, I'm really thankful for, you know, this. Thanksgiving is, hey man, I'm, I can't wait to tell you what God has done for me. I can't wait to come and thank God for his provision. There's an excitement, there's a boisterous, uh, there, there's adoration, Notice also all the earth. It's not just for Israel. It's not just for the church. It's for all. All people are to come before God with thanksgiving. They're to come with adoration. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Now, also, thanksgiving not only involves adoration, but it involves an approach. We're approaching the holy God. That's who we give thanks to. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Now 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 points out that God looks on the heart. That's what God's looking at upon each and every one of us. He's looking at what's behind our action. And our action needs to be hear, joyful, shout, and proper attitude. See, you can be shouting joyfully. You can be displaying adoration for God. But if your heart's not in it, then you're a fake, you're a hypocrite, you're an actor. So when we approach God in thanksgiving, we need to make sure that we have the right attitude. The psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness. We need to put some gladness in our attitude. You know, it's one thing to say we're glad, it's another to actually be glad. Notice he says to serve. The word serve there is the word for minister. And it's a term that's used in worship uh, to describe the priest going before the altar and giving a sacrifice to God. In the New Testament, Paul exhorts us to offer our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifices. That's our reasonable service or ministry to him, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And so we are to serve the Lord. We're to go about in our day-to-day serving of Jesus with gladness with a right heart attitude. Now that doesn't mean that we deny the pain we're in, it doesn't mean that we deny the sorrow we might be experiencing, it doesn't mean that that uh, you know we're supposed to just go around with a fake smile on our face. But what it does mean is that when we're serving the Lord despite our circumstances we're still rejoicing because nothing separates us from the love of God. Nothing takes away our salvation. Nothing takes us out of the hand of our loving God. And so even though we sorrow, even though we may be uh, suffering, even though we uh, may be slandered and and whatever, the fact remains, they can't rob us of salvation. They can't rob us of God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's peace. God's long sufferingness, And so because of that, yeah, my outward circumstances may be a sham, may be a mess, but internally I'm filled with gladness. And so my shout becomes a song. Verse 1, there was a joyful shout. Verse 2 is a joyful song. Come, Come before his presence with singing. Here's the form through which we express our gladness. You know, the scripture says that he's put a new song upon our heart. So every believer should be able to sing in some form or fashion their gladness. Now again, this doesn't mean that every Christian has a wonderful voice. Does not mean that every Christian's able to carry a tune. But that there's something melodious when they open their mouths to give praise to God it, there's something sing-songy if you will in what they're saying. It's not oh my, this is what God did for me. It's, hey, I've got to tell you what God has done for me. There's excitement. There's something in the voice that indicates the inner heart attitude. Again, uh, how often when you're happy do you whistle or hum or sing a little song? Now, this song is not to create our gladness. This song is to express our gladness. So Thanksgiving involves adoration, it involves an approach, we're approaching God, and in Thanksgiving there's an acknowledgement, verse 3, know that the Lord himself, he is God, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, why Thanksgiving? Well, the psalmist answers that question in verse 3 know that the Lord God, Lord Yahweh himself, is God. This affirmation is a renunciation of all the other gods. For example, when Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, all the people fell on their face and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. 1 Kings eighteen thirty nine. And since God is God, he is to be praised for who he is, not simply for what he's done. He's God, and that's the first thing that we acknowledge in thanksgiving, that God is God. Second, we acknowledge that he is the creator. It is he who made us, and not we ourselves. Folks, we are not autonomous. We are not self-sufficient. We are the creation, and therefore dependent upon him for everything, and that's what we acknowledge when we give thanks to God. And third, he is the redeemer. He's the Redeemer. So God is God, God is the Creator, and God is the Redeemer. There's three things to acknowledge uh, in thanksgiving. You know, I don't know what to be thankful for. There's three things right there. Notice the text says, we are his people. Now this referred first to Israel, who was called out of Egypt to be God's son, Hosea 11.1. 1. But it includes also now the nations who have responded to the call given to us in Christ and become the church, Acts 2.39 we can join in this confession that we are the sheep of his pasture. And the fact that we're sheep of his pasture assumes that he is our shepherd as Psalm 23. Isaiah 40 verse 11, he'll feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs with his arms. He'll carry them in his bosom. He'll gently lead those who are with young. Now that's what Jesus does as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And so, Think for a moment, perhaps even more than a moment, but meditate on what does it mean that God is God. Meditate on what does it mean that he's the creator. Meditate on what does it mean that he's the redeemer. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you that you are God. That's great, but expand on that. Well, I want to thank you that you're God, and that means you're the mighty one, and because you're the mighty one, there's nothing too hard for you. Okay, now now you're, now you're working through that. Keep adding to that. Keep meditating on that. Meditate on the fact that he's the creator. What does that mean? Well, I thank you, Lord, that you're the creator. Because of that, you have sustained everything in this world. You hold this entire world together. Now, that's comforting, especially when it appears like the world's out of control. world only goes so far because he has it in his hand. He's our redeemer. Meditate on that. What does that mean? Well, I can thank him that he's my redeemer, and that means he has saved me from sin. He saved me from hell. He's kept me out of the lake of fire. He's adopted me. He's made me his child. He's redeemed me, justified me, going to glorify me. Thanksgiving also involves access, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, the scene shifts to the temple. God is enthroned as king. He's living in his palace like any other monarch. That's what the temple is, his palace. And filled with joy, the worshipers begin ascending the temple. And as they go through the outer gates, they're exhorted, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You don't dare come into God's presence without having something to give God thanks for. Think about that. Every time we approach God's presence, we're to come with thanksgiving next they moved to the various inner courts being exhorted to enter that inner court with praise or boasting and again about who? about Yahweh be thankful to him and bless his name see the heart of worship is thanksgiving, the heart of prayer is worship, or excuse me thanksgiving Gratitude turns into blessing. And the object of our thanksgiving is the God who reveals his name. Who reveals his presence to us, his authority to us. Who gives us his name, allows us to bear his name. Who calls us into a relationship with himself. See, to bless God's name is to praise him for who he is as he relates to us. And then finally there's an affirmation in verse 5. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations. Why should we engage in thanksgiving? The answer is given in verse 5. First, we're to praise God because he's good. That goodness of God is seen in his moral character and his benevolence towards us. Second, we're to give thanks to God because his mercy is everlasting. That's covenant love. He's bound himself to us in a covenant that he will never revoke or abandon. And it's fulfilled in Jesus, who, according to Hebrews, made a new covenant, giving us an eternal inheritance. And third, we're to give thanks, because his truth endures to all generations. God and his revelation can be counted on, not only by us, but by all who follow us in the years to come. So Psalm 100 is a call to give God thanks. He is our God. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He's our shepherd king. He is good. He keeps his covenant. He's trustworthy. And so I challenge you to make it a point of every day when you come before his presence to bring at least one thing that you can give thanks for. Let's pray. Father God, as we close this, we want to give you thanks. Thanks for saving us. Thanks for setting us apart for sin. Thanks for making us your children. Thanks for giving us the riches of your inheritance. Thanks for making us joint heirs with your son, Jesus Christ. Thanks for redeeming us out of the marketplace. Thanks for keeping us from hell. Thanks for, for keeping us from the lake of fire. Thank you for giving us a new body. Thank you for that future glorification. And Lord, we can go on and on. Of so many things that we had to be thankful for. It's more than just the daily bread. It's all the riches of of heaven. That have been set aside for us. And so we say thank you Lord. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.